Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Louis D'Souza on this Monday, September the 9th, 2019. It is 4 p.m. in New York. That's 1 p.m. Los Angeles time and 9 p.m. where my good friend Louis is over in England. Uh, let's see, in Tokyo, I believe that's going to be closer to about 9 Let's see. No, I got that wrong. I'm going to do the Tokyo and Sydney the next time because I'm out of I'm out of sync right now. I'm not used to doing shows on Mondays at 4 p.m. New York time. I'm used to doing it in the morning. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm I'm just happy, Louis, that you agreed to do a show at an hour that's fairly late for you. So thank you for being willing to do that. I appreciate it. Most welcome. Uh, welcome all the listeners. Looking forward to another Monday of uh, LOA. Absolutely. And the fact is that I was, I mean, I knew I had to make a change because of what's going on with my wife's gardening services and maintenance business. She's taking steps away. I have to take steps in to do more, play, play a bigger role than I was playing before, which is why all of our morning shows, which were Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, are now shifting to the same time slot as the Wednesday and Friday shows. That's 4 p.m. New York time. Um, and I was a little concerned because I knew where you are. I knew, yeah, yeah. you know, I knew how late it gets there. And, and I was like, geez, we really want to keep doing the show, but you didn't even hesitate. And I was, I was very pleased when I saw that you said, sure, let's go. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. Yeah. But we know how important appreciation is. I mean, important of appreciation is almost off the scale. So I figure if I'm going to get an opportunity to appreciate, I might as well use the opportunity to appreciate, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> If you if you if you don't use it, you lose it, huh? <laughs> you don't use it, you lose it. That's right, exactly, exact Mundo. So I didn't really have a topic planned for today, but um, I figured that we can kind of just get back a little bit to basics because we with this show we go off in all kinds of we we are in tangent land most of the time, mm-hmm. exploring all kinds of aspects, which makes sense because the law of attraction applies in every aspect of our lives. So I guess there really isn't such a thing as a tangent in, in that sense. But every once in a while, I think we need to get back to basics and just remind ourselves and our listeners what this stuff is all about. Um, now, many people first learn about this through the secret. That's probably the most popular way that people find out about this. And that gives them some explanation. And it also leaves some gaps in understanding and other people find other teachers that are out there. Some of them find Abraham Hicks, like we did mm-hmm. learn a, a whole lot more. And I, I, anybody who's looking, if you, if you're looking for, for, you know, suggestions for your reading list, we will list all of the Abraham Hicks books and that will be the end of the reading list. You won't have to <laughs> yes. further than that. <laughs> There'll be one more illusions. <laughs> illusions oh, by Richard Bach. That's right. <laughs> But, uh, yes, the fact is that there are a lot of teachers out there, and they're great. I mean, it's wonderful to have so many different perspectives out there. But even so, it can still be a little bit confusing. So let's assume for the sake of discussion, and we know most of our listeners are relatively advanced, relatively familiar, relatively strong on their understanding of the law of attraction. But let's take a moment and talk to those few who might be exploring this for the first time or have only had very limited exposure. And I know that's something you enjoy doing because you, you're constantly grabbing people off the street to tell them that's stuff. Right. So, so what's your approach? Tell, let's talk about that for a bit. Well, let, let me bring up an example recently, Walt. Um, I, I had uh, this lady I was chatting to and I was trying to promote the concept that we create our own reality. Now, mm-hmm. um, this individual works with um, children that have been abused. Ah, yes. So, social type work. So, right. 
um, I was saying to them that, you know, you create your own reality. And they said, what about kids and what about mm-hmm. babies? And I said, well, you choose your parents from the source perspective, et cetera. Um, so uh, um, I just wanted to pause this because I'm really out of focus. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, we'll give you um, I, need, I need to speak so I can see myself. Uh, there we go. <laughs> that doesn't work. Let's try it that way. Oh, I don't know. A little bit more. That's even worse. So it's somewhere there. Okay. Um, I thought I got it in focus, or maybe my eyesight's just getting worse today. <laughs> I think it's a low light. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does seem a little bit less focused than it normally is, but you know, that'll be something too. Yeah, I think I actually have to buy a new camera. But so I was talking to to this lady, and and she was really not buying it. She was she was saying, you know, okay, I've got this abused kid coming in, and I've got to tell them that it's all their responsibility, that it's their fault. And uh, it was a great question because you know mm, how sure. do you answer that? A lot of people will say, you know, you know, how can you blame somebody for the situation they found themselves in? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I said to them, I said to her, so. This is this is the question I want to ask you. If if you're blaming it on the parents, if you're blaming it on society, if you're blaming it on the government, if you're blaming it on the foster homes, if you're blaming it on um, alcohol, if you're blaming it on something else, how can that child change all those variables? Good question. They it's can't. Question. You yeah. can't change somebody else least not easily, and if you do, you're likely to kill yourself trying. Um, <laughs> or somebody else. <laughs> yes, that's, that's another way of looking at it. Um, so, you know, how can you change the governments? Mm. <laughs> Enjoy that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is that child able to change themselves? Mm. Now, which one's easier? So, you know, you just put it in those contexts. Which one of those is easier? So, and then I said there's another... Point. How did she react to that? I got I got to know what her reaction was on that because that's a good question. That's a very tough question for her to answer. Um, basically ignored it. Ah, yes, good strategy. Yeah, let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like where that one was going anyway, so no. I'm not going to. <laughs> but it will not get involved. And, uh, this individual tends to know me, so they do not. <laughs> People that tend to know me don't tend to argue with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I don't argue. So I said uh, there was another point that I, I needed to point out. I said, why are you looking at as the child has to take all the blame for what's happened to them? Why can't you look at it as expansion points? When you know what you don't want, you're getting expansion to go know what you do want. So instead of looking at it as something um, bad or horrible, look at it as an expansion point, and then you can you can find out you know what you don't want now, and then you can focus on what you do want. And uh, you know, once you start getting that tiny piece of the puzzle together, which takes time, because I was in the sauna the other day talking to somebody else, and. <clears throat> It was quite a funny conversation, Walt, because it was a Chinese lady who, when I started talking about the subject, got onto her hind horses, literally sat up and looked at me and started spouting about how the Chinese people were often and very, very much uh, misinterpreted in many of the things that they did. 
and she was trying to support and encourage them, etc. And it was really um, quite interesting because uh, she really went on on a tangent, and I wasn't expecting that. And I was really trying to get a word in edgeways, you know. And I'm pretty good at getting a word in in edgeways, but I was not allowed to get a word in in edgeways. Well, it's not going to work if the other person isn't listening. <laughs> And there was another guy sitting there in the sauna, and he was watching this whole conversation. And, um, Entertainment. <laughs> and uh, when he left, uh, and she said to me, oh, it was a really good conversation. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> I looked at the guy who was there, and I said to him, it was a very good one-sided conversation, wasn't it? <laughs> it just burst out laughing. You know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I said, I, I was trying to say to her, you know, when you know what you don't want, you have a better idea what you do want. And if you focus on it, mm. and she, she was saying to me, one of the things I hear often, Walt, from, from beginners, they say to me, you know, I don't, I feel powerless. How do I change the government? How do I change the rules? How do I change? How do I change? How do I change? And they feel powerless, which is understandable because Sure. One, one person who's out of alignment, okay, is a million times less powerful than one person that is, says Abram. Okay. And that and, works both ways. <laughs> one's more powerful, one's a lot less powerful. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's really interesting because I wanted to empower her. I wanted to get her to the place of saying, oh, you know, if I focused on how to fix all these things and I just kept my focus there, I'd be more powerful than all those aren't. Therefore, I would feel that I could actually change something. You know, um, Astrid came over this weekend and we were talking about her, her world um, meditation day injunction or what, um, what does she call it? I can't remember now. But where they all get together and focus um, right. on one thing, uh, you know, one positive, harmonious, balancing thing. So, um you know, I've, I've, I've gone onto the internet and I've listened to these groups that get together around the world that focus on what they want about a problem in one country or another. And the statistics, Walter, off the charts as to, you know, we want these, the war to stop in this country. Oh, and yeah. They do the prayer and within days, sometimes hours later, mm-hmm. it's just stopped after the whole world the whole world, Uh, quite a few focused individuals around the world have got together to make a focused thing. So when you start seeing that in action, you start seeing how easy it is to fix the planet of all the problems, how to fix um, the the, uh, planet Earth, Mother Earth of all those problems and and all these kind of things. You, You start realizing that it doesn't take much to really get your focus clear know the law of attraction, so know that you mustn't start worrying about it not working and focusing on all the all the things that will slow down the, the vibration. But then keep that high flying disc, go out there, focus on what you want right. and just and just bang and watch it all fall into place and then just say, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then you stop worrying about saving the planet anymore. You realize that if you can just get a few guys together, focus uh, clearly on a subject, you, you'll be able to change many, many things very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> to me, uh, the biggest thing that I learned from Abram Hicks that I really didn't know was that thoughts create your reality. It was a mind blower for me. You know, I'd always known that the mind was powerful, but I didn't realize that the mind 
The mind's not that powerful. It's really the law of attraction that's powerful because when the mind just <laughs> focuses for a little while on something, the law of attraction will massively expand that. So, but, it, but it's also the other way around. The mind really is extremely powerful. I mean, our, our minds are much more powerful than we realize. What the law of attraction is, it's a way of describing what the minds are doing. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still trying to come to terms about the whole dynamic of, of our thought and, and, and where we go with it. Because if we think about it, our source energy must have created the law of attraction. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is on that one either. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, one, that one I've thought about. So, uh, it's too mind boggling. It is. Does, that does kind of get you, doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't compute, doesn't compute. <laughs> well, Jeffrey actually posted something that's kind of uh, an answer to that. He says, how about the concept of everything is the way it's supposed to be? So maybe that's the answer. <laughs> he is completely correct. Everything is supposed to be the way it's – every the way everything is is the way it's supposed to be. There's absolutely no doubt about it because nothing happens without previous thought manifestation. So when you think about it, it manifests in the now. So everything in the now is as it's supposed to be, but you have a choice how you want to look at it. Can you look at it as though you're, you're, um, you're going to be powerless because of the situation? You're, you're going to feel weak. You're not going to have enough um, clarity or focus to get out of it. Or you can think, oh, this is a stepping stone. I know what I don't want. I have a better idea what I do want. I know that I've got to focus on what I do want. Let's just go focus on what we do want. And mm-hmm. I know the law of attraction will expand it, make it bigger, and bring it into my life. So off we go. So, you know, until somebody explains all this to you, it's it's um, literally like wandering around playing this game of life with the blindfold on. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and, that and was, that's a good way of describing the yeah. person, the first woman you were talking about who was the social worker. Yeah. Because the, the one thing that kept exploding in my mind as you were giving the description of what happened was how everything about the conversation was about blaming. Hmm. Who are you going to blame? Are you, blame? you can't blame the kids, so we got to blame somebody else. Let's blame the government. No, we can't blame the government. Let, let's blame the alcohol. Let, I mean, you listed a whole bunch of things to blame. Mm-hmm. I myself, well, Blame, first of all, it's a very low energy thing. It's not a really happy thing. People don't say, geez, I want to go blame today. (laughs) (laughs) I can hardly wait to go blaming. (laughs) It's pretty low energy. It's not really good feeling stuff. Well, it's your fault, Walt. (laughs) I know it's all my fault. (laughs) But on top of that, it's also the kind of energy that one would expect from somebody who is in that lower Belief system, not, but lower is probably the wrong way to say it. It sounds condescending. Um, lower energy or, or, or weaker belief system. And, and that's really where she was at. She was in a very weak belief system. Well, I don't like using the word belief like you don't. And the reason I don't like using it is because I was weak too in the past. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I just think it's, it's kind of like just blindfold on, um, See, I don't, I don't worry about the fact that I was weak and I'm getting stronger. Mm. I mean, I, I started out as a 98-pound weakling. I'm up to 104 pounds. You know? So I've made progress is the way I look at that. Somebody else well, might have remained about, the same weight and got stronger. I, well, I could have done either one. Either, <laughs> you know, either one would work. You know? But my point is I, I don't worry about it. It's not that important. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, who cares? <laughs> well, I suppose the person who sees himself as the 98 pound weekly, he cares because that's where I was, you know, many years ago. <laughs> but the, the, the big thing that Abram points out is that 
you know, and everybody that sits in the chair, no matter what they're saying and where they're coming from, they make them right. Yes. No, I understand why you're thinking like that. I can Which, understand by the way, I can understand. But that's a great way to derail somebody. Have you noticed how often the person in the chair gets derailed when they're told that they're right? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the law of attraction, Well, The law of attraction will make anybody's wants right. So if you want to believe in Christ and Christianity, um, you will find more evidence. The universal law of attraction will bring more evidence to it. If you want to believe it's not true, you know, the law of attraction will bring more evidence. That it's not this true. is true. If uh, the Buddhists already wants to believe in Buddhism, there's going to bring more. The law of attraction is just going to bring more evidence. So, you know, it's really great. <clears throat> what I love about Abram Hicks is it stripped away all rituals, traditions, everything, mm-hmm. just giving you the basic tools and let you do it. Ever you want with them. You don't exactly. have to join their religion or <laughs> there is no religion to they join. They don't have a religion. No, they have nothing you can join. Jeez. <laughs> Please don't sign up here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why so many people have signed up there. <laughs> now, Jeff, Jeffrey is, by the way, very excited that uh, Jeffrey's like one of our star listeners. He basically cool. is on every podcast that comes along if he can. And he's usually an afternoon listener. He loves the fact that we are now doing afternoon shows all oh, five cool. days of the week, including Monday. And as usual, he's posting comments and questions that are very insightful. The question's a good one. Um, this is one that comes up often. So let's let's bring it up and I'll, I'll let you take a whack at it because I know you'll get this one in about three seconds. <laughs> Do you find it easy to manifest all of the time? All is in capital letters. And do you find it easy to change our beliefs? To change other people's beliefs or my own? But he's big about that. I think he means his own, but um, I think he's saying it in the uh, third person generic. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll let him just uh, um, expound on that. Okay. Um, what was the first one again, first part? Do you find it easy to manifest all of the time? Well, the answer is yes, of course I do. I manifest the terrible parts and the good parts all the time, and I can't help it because the universal law of attraction doesn't turn off. <laughs> I was wrong. It didn't take you three seconds. It took you about a half a second. <laughs> so, let me see. What do you think he's really meaning there? Um that, that was my belligerent answer. I, I, I was going to answer the same way, so I guess <laughs> I'm belligerent <laughs> too. <laughs> Seriously, I, the, the way I like to think about it is this. Everything that I focus on creates a manifestation. doesn't matter what it is. It may be a manifestation that disappears a moment later because I only spent, you know, less than 14 seconds on it. <laughs> but everything I focus on creates a manifestation. And in that, in that, uh, um, in, in that space, I'm going to be creating all the time. There's, there's just no way to avoid it. The only way to avoid creating that I know of is to go to sleep or die. But actually, dying doesn't work either. Going to sleep, that's about the only option. Maybe become <laughs> unconscious, get knocked over Aren't by... dying uh, when you go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting question. But my point is you can't turn it off. Like you said, you, there's no, it's not that even the law of attraction you can't turn off. You can't turn off your focus except perhaps when you're asleep. You, you're mm-hmm. constantly focusing on something. So you're always creating. Unless you're in deep meditation, where you're in theory or not as well. So, I mean, what you can do using the 14-second rule, which is from what you've been telling me, decreasing anyway, um, I suppose you could focus on nothing for more than 13 seconds and never manifest anything. But 
even then you'd be manifesting something. It would be at the very least frustration because you don't feel like you're getting anywhere well, or, or, it, or something it, like that. It, you're it, still going to manifest something. It would be probably a manifestation of trains going in different directions, which pretty much cancel themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you are manifesting below 14 seconds, but it's, it's, it's kind of like going nowhere fast. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like the momentum doesn't get a real chance to get going, so it just doesn't seem to turn into anything that you can spot, that you can see. So, uh, Jeff talking about me manifesting, so, yeah, I'm pretty damn good at it, but I'm pretty damn good at doing the, the, the negative part as well, but the difference now between the past and now is I look at the negative things that <clears throat> would have been perceived by me in the past as negative, as not negative now, but as expansion points. I mm-hmm. mean, that is the big difference between then and now. That's huge. Manifestation. <clears throat> yeah. And by the way, he clarified this, the first part of his question. He said, um, blah, 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 blah. how, how about manifesting what we want? So going back to the original question, rephrasing it, do you find it easy to manifest all the time what you want? Right. Okay. Definitely not. And I don't know if I'd want that because if I got that all the time, I wouldn't be expanding. So, um, I would, I would perceive that if I was always manifesting what I want, I would instantly, what do they call those words when those people burn up in flames and vanish in front of you? Um, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I would, a phrase for that, isn't there? What is that? It's called um, well, reemerge into non-physical and destroy the yes. body at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Um, so, instant inhalation is the closest I can think of, but that's not what it is. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that um, I, I don't want to be a manifester of what I want all the time. It's not. It's not my desire. Mm-hmm. It's simply yes, not where I'm going. Question a lot of people would ask is why not. Why not? Oh, I don't want to be happy all the time. Well, it's just terrible. <laughs> How would I know I'm happy if I don't get unhappy? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because <laughs> you do need the contrast to, to, to teach you. But what I did learn from Abram is you can go from hope to expectation. Um, and both of those are in the positive and you can expand from there and there and there and go further and further forward. So I'm excited about that because that's really what's happening a lot in my life at the moment Mm -hmm. is is I'm going from good place to better and good place to better and good place to better. And it's a really nice place to be. It's so much nicer than um, frustration or anger where I spend a lot of my time um, into hope or expectation, you know? So the contrast now is, is is a lot more different and um, it's more pleasant. It's more pleasant, but Mm -hmm. it's still a contrast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the way I look at what I want, I am definitely getting more of what I want. Oh, that's good. That's good and not surprising. Uh, I think the way I look at it is we tend to, as human beings to try to carry on a concept to the logical extreme with the belief that if we do that, we will somehow have a better understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what goes on with this desire to want to be able to always manifest instantly all the time. It's one, just one example out of many of that. And when I really look at it, I say to myself, well, that's kind of like the story that 
Esther tells in The Voice of Abraham about how Esther and Jerry went to ride the Colorado River and suggested the idea, well, what if we just asked the guide, can't you just take us down to the end of the ride and put us in for the last few feet so we can ride the last few feet? And the guy said, yeah, but I thought you wanted to ride the river. Yeah. And, and that's what we're doing in life. We're riding the river. We chose to ride this river. Mm-hmm. So if you like that idea or not, I don't really mind, but it's the way I definitely personally perceive it is we chose to come ride this river, but mm-hmm. we didn't choose to come suffer. <laughs> because is, well, Some of us apparently did, but uh, we'll put that one aside for a moment. <laughs> no, no, no. When we were in the non-physical age. Oh, Jeffrey got a spontaneous combustion. There's the there phrase. There we go. Yeah. Well <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I I would have to spontaneous com, con, spontaneously combust because there would be nothing else for me. You know, you you hear to play with the contrast. You hear not to be in the positive all the time. So mm-hmm. you, you do hear these stories about spontaneous combustion. And, um, and I've heard from people who are psychics of various forms that uh, people in the non-physical they can manifest instantly, but they are wanting to come here. Every, all the focus on the non-physical side is on the physical, yeah, which is because, an interesting thing. Because we are the bleeding edge. Well, more than that, <laughs> how interesting that they're focusing on the realm where people are not successfully manifesting instantly all the time. Yes, exactly. And why are they doing that? Because that is how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly you don't how it works. Want, you have a better idea what you do want. But when you're in the land of non-physical, you're always in wanted. You're always in the pure, po- <clears throat> the pure positive energy. So, therefore... Well, you're not even wanted. You're in have. You're constantly in have. I always have. It's there. It's I got it. Yep, got that one too. Yep, got it. Yep, got it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> the story ends really quickly. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great question, Jeff. Thanks. Bring them on. I like that. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, let's see. Oh, he also makes an interesting comment. He says rituals can be very useful, though they help focus thoughts and beliefs. So let's define the word ritual. Good idea. Ritual is just the thought you thought often. Mm. <laughs> I hate that one. When you, when you, when you start using Abraham's um, philosophy and taking <laughs> different words, you can, you can turn them all around to meaning the similar thing, which is belief is just a thought you think often. Ritual mm-hmm. is just a thought you think often. Um, Whatever you want is just a thought you think often. Whatever you don't want is just a thought you think often. Um, uh, um, and the only thing that I would eliminate from that is the word just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. I think often, yeah, remove the word just. I agree. <laughs> it minimizes it in a way that doesn't need to be minimized. Exactly. No, this, this, is, this is cool stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's all all very, very good. So um, so let's go back to the second part of his question. Do you find it easy to change your beliefs? I'm going to change it to your. He said our, but I'm going to make it your. Mm-hmm. Do you find it easy to change your beliefs? So I don't think people tend to be able to change their beliefs easily. And the reason is if you've got a belief – now, I want to break this down because somebody really knocked me on the head with this one day. I oh, said okay. to her, oh, a belief is just a thought you think often. She said, I'm thinking, I think about you, but I don't, I don't, I don't think often about you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go right for the ego shot. <laughs> uh, 
I enjoyed that so much. You know? <laughs> and you know what? I was stumped. I was like, okay, that, yeah, you do. You do. And she said, I believe you're a nice guy, but I haven't thought about it often. Uh, <laughs> so I said, okay, so, so I was a bit tripped up and I didn't know how to answer. So I went home and I thought about it and I was like, okay, so there's a difference between one thought and a thought, thought again and again and again. And when you think a thought again and again and again, eventually it becomes the word belief. Now, just thinking about it once, she used the wrong word. She shouldn't have said, I believe you're a nice guy. She should have said, I think you're a nice guy. That is a more accurate meaning of the word. Perhaps, although I could also make the argument that her first statement was correct because the statement came after she thought it. So it was the continuation. She had a two-step um, progression there. But when you talk about your belief, what is your belief, Walt? It's generally something you've thought about fairly often. More, more often than not. And that's usually the way we use the word, and yes. you're right about that. Showing so, how slippery the English language can be. <laughs> so I went back the next month, because we did a monthly thing there, <clears throat> and I explained this to them, and they completely got it. So, oh, okay, now I understand what you're saying, and, mm -hmm. and it was all okay. So I wanted to bring that up in terms with, with um, Jeff's question, which was, okay. Um, do you find it easy to change your beliefs? Do I find it easy to change my beliefs? So when you've, when you've thought about a thought often, Jeff, you find that the momentum of that thought is quite strong. Okay. And when your momentum of a thought is quite strong, the law of attraction amplifies it. Okay. Which means it's very difficult to take it and turn around, and go the other direction. All right. So, do I find, did I find that changing my beliefs difficult? I would say I found them a lot easier because my entire life has been based on the first question I asked my, my mom with great seriousness at eight years old was, mom, what is truth, love, and God really about? So my desire to understand the way or the rules to the game of life was very, very strong from a young age. <clears throat> So I'm sitting there saying, okay, I really want to know this. So I have, if somebody's thrown me a crumb, just the smallest crumb, I've lapped it up, implemented it in my life, and I've run with it. <clears throat> and if you come up with some better ideas and concepts than the Abram Hicks one, I will take it on board and I will run with it as long as I agree with it, as long as it feels right to me. Mm -hmm. And I believe changing my belief is easier for me than a lot of people. Okay. I've changed religions a few times, um, and I haven't found any of them particularly difficult to change. All right. Um, I now got a very clear idea of what I believe and where I'm going and how I'm going to do it. And I have a very clear understanding that I don't need anybody else to follow me. I think it's a good answer. And uh, if I were to rephrase it so that instead of changing that second to last word, I changed an earlier word. Um, the way he phrased it was, and do you find it easy to change our beliefs? So I'm going to, instead of changing our to your, I'm going to change the first part. I'm going to say, do we often find it difficult to change our beliefs? I'm going to make it a more consistent statement. Mm -hmm. And and I think the answer is yes and no, because it depends on your perspective. Mm -hmm. And your perspective is not going to be fixed. So your perspective itself can change. Mine did. When I first started trying to do this stuff, I thought it was literally impossible to change my beliefs. My beliefs were what they were. Mm -hmm. that, they, they were what I had learned. Um, and there was no way to change them short of the universal laws changing. What I didn't realize is that I didn't have all the universal laws. But up until that point, I thought I did. And 
So I couldn't imagine how they could change. And so when it was posed to me, because <clears throat> that was my first exposure, the idea that I could affect my belief in some way, I could even affect my feeling, my emotional response to something. I could actually choose a different emotional response from the one that would be pre-programmed for stimulus X. Mm-hmm. That was mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. So at that time, my answer was no. Now, my answer is absolutely yes. Same what's, human being. <laughs> what, what's more mind-boggling, Walt, is actually how easy it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how easy is it? It's how easy you think it is, and that's my point. And you now got to the position in your thoughts that new things are easier. Yes. Much easier. Much to easier. paraphrase uh, um, Paul McCartney and John Lennon, yes, I admit, they're getting easier, a whole lot easier all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, when you're thinking like that, Wald, when you're thinking things are getting easier, guess what? The law of attraction feels that, senses it, and just gives you more. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. But if you're not, if you're of a person who, of a, a, a personal experience of a person who doesn't have the experience with the idea that you can control your beliefs, that you can change your beliefs, you can control your emotions, you can change your emotions, you can decide how you're going to respond emotionally to something. If you don't have that, then not only do you feel powerless, you also feel locked into something, to a pattern that you don't know how to change. And so you begin to believe that it's incredibly difficult. Mm. And, and it doesn't take long for that beginning belief to turn into stone. Mm. And now it's no longer difficult. Now it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because, well, when I met my mentor when I was 21 or 22, <clears throat> the, I had built up such a, a protective shield around this very intense kid who all all he really wanted to know is why the hell is here on this planet because nobody has told him yet. Yeah. Um, and I had to protect myself at school. I had to protect myself from my family. I had to protect myself from my friends because nobody really understood me. So I had this huge shield around me. And then when, when I spent <clears throat> an endless amount of time going once or twice a week to my mentor and we did reflexology and metamorphic technique together for hours um, on each other, Slowly but surely, I felt like a hammer and chisel, and she was chiseling away at all those um, protective layers I'd put around me. Mm. And at times, I felt, you know, I was like naked on, on the wall. <laughs> you know, she can see right through me. None of my BS is going to get anywhere with her, just naked, completely naked. And I've, it was very liberating. Um, you know, my, I don't think my heart has really been experience that level of openness and freedom, you know, because of the huge contrast of being closed off to open <clears throat> was extremely profound for me. Um, really amazing. Absolutely incredible. I was, I was, ah, I was so in love with life and, and, and the, the change and the, the ideas that were coming into my head mm-hmm. were so fresh and clean and new. And she would say things like, you know, no, no robber ever, ever gets caught without their own permission. And, you know, yeah. and it's like, I know I can feel the truth in this, but I really don't understand it. <laughs> she couldn't explain it that well either uh, at the time, but it was Abram Hicks that, ah, oh, that's, that's how it works. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. 
Um, but, you know, I, I was given so many pieces of truth that, and she had a whole bookshelf of books that I pull out one, um, completely different spiritual teaching to another, to another, to another, to another. And I had a huge wide range of things just to choose and discuss, choose and discuss, choose and discuss. And it was just amazing for me, you know, it was like, some people would think a, a new car or a new house or a new this would be amazing to me. <laughs> this was the most amazing thing on the planet. The concepts and ideas that were new, fresh, and, you know, and, and started giving me some clue what the heck I was doing on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very important to me. When you were talking earlier about the blaming social worker, it reminded me of a story that Joel Elston has told before. And just now, as you're addressing the question of, you know, how easy is it to consciously create something? Uh, it, re it reminds me just how um, appropriate that same story is. In fact, it fits both topics. Mm -hmm. It's the story of how Joel, in his role as a therapist and a life coach, uh, he has had lots of young people, usually boys, brought to him, usually boys who are in the foster care system, but not always. Kids who are in difficulty were having trouble with stuff. And this one particular boy was brought to him. He was in the foster care system and he was rebellion against everything. <clears throat> he, he was a handful to handle. He was constantly in trouble. Um, and just nobody could find a way to work with him. His, his therapist was at her wits end and said, well, okay, let's see if Joel can do this because Joel can do some amazing things with kids who are really troubled. So she sent him to Joel and, the conversation started off very benignly. Joel asked him, so tell me about yourself. Tell me about, uh, you know, who you are and so forth. And the kid says, well, I'm oppositionally defiant and, uh, I have, uh, and he started listing this whole series of, you know, right out of the, the DSM, all the different things that were wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And Joel said, no, no, I mean, what do you like to do? <laughs> what, what do you enjoy in life? <laughs> and the kid wasn't sure how to hand, handle that answer. So Joel had read his file and learned that, um, his, Mother was, had been arrested, I think, for drugs and had gone into prison and died. And his father, I think, was not present in his life at all. I don't remember what the situation was there. I mean, he was, he, he had been through the, the, the meat grinder in the system. I mean, he, he had been handed off from a psychiatrist to a psychiatrist. He was on about 20 different medications. I mean, it was just, it was a mess. And, so Joel decided, well, I'm going to start attacking the medication question first. So he says, so what medications are you on? And the kid could just name them one after another. And do you know what they're for? Oh, yeah, they're for this, 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 and this. And then Joel says, okay, let's go back to that first part there. So what was the first one? Okay, here's the first medication. Now, what's that one for? And the kid starts describing, well, this is for if you have, uh, if you're depressed and you uh, um, are are uh, dealing with ADHD or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he starts listing this stuff. And Joel says, well, why are you depressed? And the kid utters some sort of uh, uh, expletive and says, well, my mom died in prison. Is that enough for you? <laughs> and Joel says, yeah, I think that would probably do it. Did the drug help? And it stopped the kid dead in his tracks. Well, no. Okay. So that drug isn't really doing much for you. And the kid's not quite sure what to make of this. He's never heard of a coach telling him he shouldn't be on a drug. So that was a little bit of a thrower, you know. And and Joel starts working through all the drugs with him. 
at some point in the conversation, he also starts explaining how the law of attraction works and how we are all creators of our own um, lives in all ways. And the kid got it instantly. He got it. He got what the social worker was afraid of facing. I attracted this horrible life to myself. Mm -hmm. He got it. And, and what when was you amazing, get it, you can change things. And that's what makes the story amazing. Because from that point on, the kid, when, when, when he first met the kid, the kid was, I think, like eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. And he spoke in a very high voice, even for an eight, nine-year-old, very soft voice. He had a very limp handshake. He had no self-confidence. By the end of that one session, the kid had decided he wanted to fire his psychiatrist. He wanted to get himself off of all the meds. He was going to completely take control of his life. He was going to change his behavior pattern. And he did all of it within a very, very short period of time. And he, and he turned to Joel because he was a kid. He says, will you help me do this? And Joel says, sure, yeah, I'll be glad to help you. Mm -hmm. So will you come to see my psychiatrist with me? Okay, sure. So they go to see the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is looking at Joel and saying, what is this guy doing here? <laughs> he shouldn't be here. But the kid starts talking and says, uh, so why do you have me on this particular drug and why do you have me on that one? And the psychiatrist starts to answer. He says, he says, well, have you done research that shows that those two drugs actually work together properly? And he, he had this whole array of questions he'd worked out because he'd been Googling it before he went to the, the psychiatrist was blown away. Now he's looking at Joel again and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> Clearly, you've been muddying this kid's mind. What are you doing here? And the kid says, I asked him to be here. Now answer my question. I mean, he, this nine-year-old <laughs> is taking control of the conversation away from the psychiatrist. That's ah, beautiful. Mm. To the point where he fired the psychiatrist. <laughs> 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 Absolutely mind-blowing. The, the results that came out of this, the cascading results that happened within days were that his foster mother, who was at her wit's end because of not only him but other foster kids that she had and their houses in disarray and so forth, was absolutely blown, just gobsmacked by the fact that when he came home from the first session, he went up to her and said, I want to apologize for all the behavior that I have been giving you for the last eight months or whatever it is that I've been with you. I want to let you know I'm going to be changing that behavior from now on. And then he did. And then he went into the school and he did the same thing with the teacher said, I wanted to apologize. I mean, he just, he shifted everything mm. within like a day or two. And everybody was saying, what happened to this kid? They bumped into Joel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that certainly helps a lot. But Joel basically told him the one thing that the social worker said, you can't tell the kid that he attracted it. He did. He, Joel broke the rule, mm. and in so doing, he freed that kid. Well, I was listening to a new Abraham Hicks um, video on YouTube, and it was it was all about you know this is the big thing, guys. I really want to talk to you about the big thing. I don't think I put it this clearly before, but mm. you create everything in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I can't get away with anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the conversation was beautifully put. I mean, God, masterfully put. I was like, wow, I need to write these lines down. Perfect. <laughs> they are spot on. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really interesting. We, 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 you start seeing it after a while, clearer and clearer, when you work with the law of attraction. You start <clears> saying, oh, that's why that's happening in my life. I spend time thinking about it. Ah, oh, that's why that happens. I spend time thinking about it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and uh, what was I doing? That, that's, that's where my phrase comes from. Damn, I can't seem to get away with anything anymore. 
<laughs> and and the interesting thing is often you don't see the because it's so ingrained in you, you don't see the wood for the trees, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't see that thought that clearly. Yeah. So this is where I think Jinshin helps, um, working with energy of the body. Um, this is where meditation helps because you now start seeing clearer the thoughts. You know, like you and I have often talked <clears throat> about how incredibly clear we became after we started the Abram Hicks teaching, mm-hmm. how negative we were. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm really that negative. <laughs> oh, it was overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. The uh, first uh, time I recognized it, I thought it was, I, I reinforced my belief that I couldn't change my belief. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for that moment in time, I was right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was interesting because I've told you this story long, 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 long time ago. Actually, the one of the, I think the first time I jumped on with Joel and you, mm. I remember right in the beginning. Um, he loved that show, by the way. Okay. I don't know if I ever told you, but after that episode was done um, and you signed off, he and I were still talking. He said, if you can find any way to get that guy involved, do it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed Joel, too. He's, he's fantastic. He is. Um, but the story I told was I was in the sauna, and uh, there was this guy, and he was a new guy. I hadn't seen him before. So <clears throat> uh, he was Asian, and I started chatting to him. And I said to him, you know, what do you do? No, the first thing I usually start off with, which I did in this time too, is like, how long have you been in the club? You know, mm-hmm. you like coming to the sauna, um, small, small right. talk. And then, you know, he, he started saying, oh, no, I've had a really hard day's work. I said, oh, what work do you do? He says, oh, I, I just catch up. I said, oh, that's great. Well, what do you catch up on, your sleep or, you know? And uh, he like growls at me and um, – he said, no, I just catch up. He said, hmm. I, said, I looked at him and I said, well, you, you know what I would say? I would say, I'm always getting things done. Mm. So he says, are you, are you trying to say to me that my glass is half empty? <laughs> Interesting way to phrase that question. Okay, go ahead. So I said to him, um, no, you're telling me your glass is half empty. That was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> And he did not like that. Yeah. Um, well, people don't like it too often when we pull the covers off. That really can irritate people. He literally got up and started walking out. And, <laughs> and as he was walking out, I said, well, you do know that you grow from the negativity. You, you grow from the glass half empty. You expand from there. And he was like, not interested. He was out the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like, I didn't come to the sauna to get assaulted. <laughs> I heard from one of my friends who was speaking to him later um, who knew him. He said that this guy psychoanalyzed me. And I was like, oh, I had to laugh at that. <laughs> psychoanalyzed you? Okay. <laughs> I had torn him to pieces. <laughs> well, I guess what he's really saying is he saw into you, and that means he, he psychoanalyzed you because there's no other way to get there. You know, you, you can't possibly just be able to read somebody because they're so obvious. You have to be able to psychoanalyze them, otherwise you'd never be able to get that deep. <laughs> the whole psychological field is one that I'm never liked instinctively from as young as I remember. <laughs> and I've never gone into it. I've never really delved into it. I never looked much into it. I just did not feel the value of that. Um, the way it is often taught I want to be clear. I'm not saying all practitioners practice it like that. <laughs> and a lot of the people that will be listening to this podcast may be uh, people who help people psychologically, but will do it with an LOA lilt, 
or mm-hmm. tilt, um, which is, is fine. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, what mm-hmm. Joel did was, was use LOA in that, um, <clears throat> in that conversation with that boy, you know, it was beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And very effectively. And he also demonstrated something too. We talked about, um, how difficult, how easy is it? Um, and he demonstrated that for the boy, it was easy. It was really easy for him because he didn't take any time to kind of adjust to it. He didn't take some time to sit and, oh, do I really Focus think that? Or how what he, didn't believe he just went, bam, I'm done. Let's go. It was, it was really, really simple for him. Now, part of it was probably because he had so much of, here's what I don't like to leave behind. So it wasn't yeah. a difficult decision from that perspective. Yeah. But by the same token, there are adults who also have lots and lots of what they don't uh, want, what they don't like, but they have a harder time letting go of it. He had no trouble letting go of it at all. And I, I think a large portion of that is momentum. Mm. When you, you know, you've got less momentum, you have There just isn't that much time yeah. to, to think about it. Right. That's what, that's what Abram was saying. Some Somebody came and sat in front of the, on the hot seat. This mom said, my son says, got a question for you. He said, what, what's this? So he said, why are adults so grumpy? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> and and I love the answer. It was so simple, so logical, so clear, and it's just you know they've spent more time thinking about what they don't want. And that's it, and the momentum's there. <laughs> I had a conversation with a customer in the gardening service <clears throat> business that um, I'm taking over more and more from Louise. Um, I had a conversation with him today, actually, and. He started off the conversation the way he starts. I'm guessing the way he starts all conversations. I haven't known him more than a couple of days. You can feel that. You can feel that easily. Well, it's not even so much feeling it. You can see it. Because the thing to be seen in this case is he starts off every conversation with a deep frown. And all you have to do is see that frown and you know this isn't something that's just incidental to this particular mm-hmm. conversation. It's pretty clear he he's always like he's, that. He's manifested that vibration. Yeah. yeah, exactly in a big, big way. Over time, and frown comes with, hmm, not sure or and is it and it's a deeper frown that I actually can do now. I probably okay. died about ten years ago, but he's like really, really <laughs> frown. <laughs> you know, it's well practiced. practiced. It's like the cheeks are going to fall off the chin. That's how deep of a frown it is. <laughs> but he he starts that way, and then he goes into a litany. No matter what the topic is, a litany of all the things that are going wrong. Mm. Not a surprise to us. And in that litany, he will often turn it on to you, the listener, mm. in a kind of a passive-aggressive way. Mm-hmm. You know, at first, he's not You need to agree with me, usually. Yeah, something, it's either you need to agree with me or you need to hear me because I need to be heard so that I can turn this into an opportunity to make myself into the victim so I can gain power over you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is pretty sick. But anyway, that's that's part of his strategy. And then he did that with me for about... I usually don't give people a lot of time, but I gave them like two or three minutes. seconds. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I gave more. I gave him more like two or three minutes. I could see where he was going, but I gave him a few minutes. And then after he tried to turn that into an attack on me and my crew, because my crew was coming there to do work on his property, I simply just waved it in, you know, like dismissing type of wave and turned and started to walk away. And as soon as I started to turn to walk away, what do you think he did? Started backpedaling and started talking more positively, probably. He said, oh, I was just joking. I was just yanking your chain. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
So all of it was about just trying to steal energy and just, you know, play games and all that. And yeah. and I don't think he realized that it was one one more example of how he's doing all this to himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it, here, here was part of what he was saying, actually. He was complaining that my crew or our crew um, was working at half the speed that they worked last year on his property. Now, I know for a fact that there <laughs> – I know for a fact that there are actually a couple of members of our crew who refuse to, well, they don't refuse. We, we accommodate their wish not to work on his property because they don't even want to be around him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he's that unpleasant to be around. They don't want all that negative energy. And I also know that the people who had been working the last few days are among our best workers and get rave reviews from most of our mm-hmm. customers about how fast they are. So mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't true. You know? yeah, yeah. I knew that was, that this was all him. And, what was more interesting is he was saying that they were fat, they were half the speed this year of what the crew was last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is clearly meant to tear us down and to tear me down and so forth. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, uh huh, okay, well, I think you believe that you're hard to read, and I don't think you understand. I figured you out in the first two seconds. So what do I do with this information? I'm not quite sure what I want to do with it yet. So that's what led to me doing the waving. Okay, I'm out of here. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And he pulled me back with, oh, no, no, I'm just yanking your chain. I'm just teasing you and so forth. And in that, in the course of that conversation, I said to myself, I bet he doesn't know what he's doing consciously. Yeah. I bet you he's not aware this of it. This is just a program that's running. It's a program that's running. And I'd be willing to bet that he doesn't get that reaction very often mm. because people get kind of sucked into it. And so he's used to holding somebody's attention by basically bullying them. So it was a bit of a shock to him. And you can see it on his face. First of all, the frown disappeared, interestingly enough. The frown disappeared when I when I started to walk away. And he actually tried to put a smile on, mm-hmm. which was painful to look at, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very not very practiced. <laughs> it was not practiced at all. No, he was forcing it. I give him credit. He was trying, but still, it was forced. And in the process of forcing that smile, I, I, it's like I had knocked him off balance. And I hadn't done anything. All I'd done was turn and walked away. <laughs> I guess my point is when, when we get into that, because he's in, clearly in an out of alignment situation yeah. and out of control. When we get into that out of alignment situation, those of us who are more in alignment, we, we don't hardly even do anything and we affect somebody. Yes, very much so. <laughs> in ways that, that we can hardly even see. Yeah. I mean, we see the result of it, but we can't even see internally how, I mean, I, I, I knocked him for a loop and I didn't do anything. Yeah, oftentimes you don't even know the effect you have on other people. Yeah. You never see it. You never even hear about it. <laughs> exactly. So that points to, or, or it uh, reinforces the point you were making earlier about how um, those who are very much in alignment with themselves, who are in a high vibrational space, are so much stronger than somebody who's in a weak space, who's out of alignment, who's mm. focusing on stuff that they don't like. And, and it isn't even a close comparison. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is I was trying to work out if you were focusedly negative, you you would be as powerful as a focusedly positive person. Right? But I think the problem with negativity is is you, you dart from one negative thing to another to another to another. So it becomes a very split negative thing rather than a focusedly negative thing because the law of attraction doesn't 
doesn't take sides. It doesn't care. Wherever you focus, it's going to magnify. So, well, I don't think it's always true. There are certain people I've met, <clears throat> people who are celebrities even, who uh, are, become very good at staying focused on one really, really unpleasant thing. And they do it for effect. Mm. They, they do it because that's it, it's almost like it's more than a program. It, it's a program that they rely on, and they know it well, and they play it regularly. Mm-hmm. So they, they have no problem going down that road. They're, they're often portrayed as being evil because they just keep focusing on this one really negative thing over and over and over again. And by God, they're going to keep shoving it in your face as much as they can possibly get away with shoving it in your face. As long as they get a reaction, they'll continue. When you stop that's giving it. them a reaction, they're dead in the water. Well, that's that's the other point, too. That's that's, that's the best way to defeat somebody who is um, trying to pull that kind of a game. You just stop paying attention to them. <laughs> well, when, when when they're not getting anything bouncing back then all the joy goes out of it. There's no marrow in the bone for that kind of a conversation. Not that there was that much joy in the first place, but the little tiny bit amount of the joy that was there, yes. <laughs> there, there, there is a bit of joy in, in bringing just people down some, to your negative level there, you know. Some small level of it, yes. <laughs> I remember this one one lady sitting in the hot seat saying, oh, my daughter is, is so um, – down in the dumps and all the rest of it and negative and all the rest of it. And I says, yeah, and I imagine she has um, a negative boyfriend as well. How did you know? <laughs> Are you psychic? <laughs> uh, it was just like so interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that, would, that was a tough one to predict, I can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Let's see, how does the law of attraction work again? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she really wanted to help her daughter raise her vibration. And, uh, and uh, you know, sometimes the parents are the worst people to try and help. But they don't have to be. And that's what I love about Abraham. Mm-hmm. Because Abraham basically sweeps all that junk aside yeah. and, and shows them yeah. how all they have to do is change what they're pay- paying attention to. All, all they all they teach you is to myob. So if the parent is happy, and and brings that happy vibration into the house, it's going to affect everybody. <laughs> myob is it the, the abbreviation for mind your own business? It, the, it's the idea that when you focus on your business, you put out the best vibration you're going to put out for that person, and so you're going to support. You know, <clears> because it was interesting to me, you said you know when this guy was all negative to you, you were thinking, what must I do with this? And to me, that's not even a thought anymore. The thought is, I've got nothing to do with him. I've just got to mind. Yeah, life. pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just very clear. If I remain on my business and not his, then <clears throat> I'll remain positive and happy because I started off this whole thing positive and happy when I met him. So, you know, the, so that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm very, very strong on at the moment. It's just mind my own business. <laughs> And, and that's why I waved my hand and said, okay, I'm, I'm done. Blew him off and walked away, and it ended the conversation exactly. the way that's it was going. Yeah. Absolutely. It just didn't work. Yeah. I told Louise about that. She says, really? What did he do? <laughs> Does she have uh, challenges with him too? Oh, yeah. She has a lot more experience with him than I do. Yeah. Not so much challenges. I mean, I don't think she gets sucked up into any of his crazy little games. Mm-hmm. For her, it's been more about dealing with, the staff and how they're affected by it. Right. And it is more of a challenge because now you're trying to support them and help them not having to put up with all that negative energy and so forth. But the same method gets applied. That, that's actually a great example. 
Is there a level of teaching, Walt? Your your the the staff members uh, a little bit about LOA, or is there a little bit, but but not too often. I I try to follow the rule of thumb that says don't help somebody who didn't ask you for help. Yeah, absolutely. So but as long as they aren't asking, I always you found for help. you can wiggle it away in the cracks. You know, <laughs> well you can you can, but 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 I I like to follow the example of I. Abraham says if you – I don't remember exactly how they say it, but if you focus on developing yourself, if you focus on on choosing what you prefer and staying away from what you don't prefer and do that regularly, good stuff will start happening and people will start thinking about you as if you were the guru. Mm-hmm. I mean that's not the way they say it, but that's the gist of it. You yeah, know? I mean it's the way they talk about my wife. She, she's – like <laughs> the word the witch, but you know, they, they, they're impressed by – by her level of alignment and the ease with which she manifests. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why we respect rich people and wealthy people because of their ability to manifest. <clears throat> so I, I simply stick to that, that, that mindset as well as I can. How, how well can I stay in the mindset of what I prefer? If I can do that, and if I can do that particularly when I'm in the vicinity of staff members, I'm going to be helping them. I don't necessarily know exactly how I'm going to be hap- helping them. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn into something for them, but I know I'm helping them. You know, there's that old story. I, I you know, the spiritual books I was talking about in my mentor's home that I was reading. And they were, they were talking about this master walking down a street. And they said it was always funny to, to walk, uh, you know, quite a few paces behind because as he walked down the street, there were people that would start having fights and, and discussions and arguments and things would be thrown out and all the rest of it because when he walks with that positive energy down the street, all the negativity is burnt away. <laughs> and it was really an interesting concept. It was like, wow, you know, I hadn't quite thought of it. If I keep my alignment going, mm-hmm. um, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Not a thing. Not a thing. It's actually a bit of a conundrum. I think for a lot of people, it is because we're such doers, aren't we? We must help Absolutely. people. Oh yeah, and let's be honest, we come to this world to do things. There's no point in coming to the physical world if you're going to sit on the sofa all the time. You, yeah. you, you want to go out and do some stuff. That's part of being alive. So it makes total sense to do that. Um, but by the same token, are we going to use the doing in place mm. of the focus and the feeling? And that's where people get tripped up. I always feel this whole helping other people thing is the, is the big challenge. You know. Well, the person who was the, the social worker who was blaming everybody, she, that's exactly what she was caught up in. She was trying mm-hmm. to figure out how do we do it into existence? How do we make it happen? How do we, how, what, what can we do to help this poor kid who is a victim of his circumstances and who is being mistreated by all these terrible people who are abusing him and so forth? And how do we help him with it while avoiding blaming him for having attracted all this to himself in the first place? The biggest challenge, Abram says, is is the people don't aren't able to see them as not broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, imagination plays a major role. Yeah. Because without imagination, you can't change anything. In, and that's the importance of understanding the importance of negativity, which is another story. But, yeah, I think we're uh, over time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How did we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Well, well this is just flowed. <laughs> it really did. I tell you, I just completely lost track of what the time was. But that, that's a good thing. That means that it, everything was going smoothly, and I really appreciate that. So I would say, even though we went a little bit over time, that's a good thing, because it means our first Monday afternoon show or Monday evening show from the London perspective went off without a hitch. Mm, perfect. So, so it's a good launch. I appreciate that. So thank you once again for being willing to shift the time schedule. I, I definitely no problem, appreciate that a lot. Actually, no problem. And thank you, Jeffrey, for all the wonderful commentary because that always helps. Gives that I love having that third perspective. Makes yeah, Jeff, and every time and any time, ask any question, please. Absolutely, don't hold back. There's no such thing as a bad question, so we appreciate. It. And and anybody else who wants to listen to the live stream or be part of the live stream, uh, we're going to be on at 4 p.m. New York time, um, Monday through Friday from now on. So you can't really miss the schedule. You just have to know that. So join us and you know just come to YouTube, uh, look for LOA Today podcast videos, and you will find us. So with that thought in mind, thank you guys. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. God everybody. Live stream.